0: or we've we we've started this theme of oh come holy spirit okay and so that's been our theme this year that, that we feel that God has placed upon our church and and one of the things that I was just praying and I was just asking God oh come holy spirit and the question that came popping into my mind was for what purpose for what purpose oh come holy spirit and there's this quote that I that I that I love from a from a, one of my favorite uh uh pastor's priest and it says, praying to him when the limitations of our power clash with the greatness asked of us, we must learn to understand that we have such a capacity and that God desires to fill up that capacity. I love that part. Praying to him when the limitations of our power clash with the greatness asked of us. This morning, I just want to simply ask you, what should our lives look like if we say we love God, if we say we follow Jesus, if we say his spirit is in us? And just like that quote said, that sometimes a power clashes with the greatness asked of us. What greatness is God asking of you? Because God does not call you to mediocrity in your life. He doesn't call you to be a mediocre father, mediocre wife, a mediocre parent, a mediocre teacher. He calls us in every area of our life towards greatness. Now, greatness looks different in the kingdom of God versus the way we describe it here on earth. But he causes that. And so my question is, what greatness is God asking of you in your life? And maybe you've made your capacity a reason to not step out in faith as well. You've looked at the greatness that is before you, that God is is drawing you into. And you look at yourself and you look at your limited capacity and that scares you. And so you'd rather say, I'd rather stay here in this safe place that I am in my comfort. You've looked at your limitations, but have yet to surrender to God's capacity and his ability to be glorified through your limitations. You see, Paul writes that In his weakness, God is most glorified. So it's actually in our limitation and our weaknesses that God is most glorified in our life. So therefore, our weaknesses and limitations in our life is not an excuse or a reason to not step out into that greatness that God calls us to. And so the biblical truth for us this morning is very simple. That you cannot be and do what God has called you to be and do without the Holy Spirit. Bit of a tongue twister there. So I'll say it again. That you cannot be and do what God has called you to be and do without the Holy Spirit. Our mission here at SP is to know him, to be like him, and to make him known. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life that enables us that to happen in our lives. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that enables us to know Him, that enabled us to be like Him, and that enables us to make Him known as well. And so I want to read from Acts chapter 1 today, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 1 is where our scripture reading will be from today. probably been a while since you had a preacher just look start looking through his bible and seeing where it acts is normally is just read it up but i can't really see it because of the light so i have to really get to this place but all right i'll read it from this place <laughs> all right this is what acts chapter one says the promise of the holy spirit in the first book old theophilus i have dealt with all that jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, to work in our lives transform our being, transform our doing, that it would look so radically different than what the world sees every day, that it would be reflective of following you and what your kingdom looks like. And so this morning, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds, to break down walls and barriers that for so long have been holding us down, for excuses that we've been giving ourselves concerning our capacity and limitation. That we would stop relying on ourselves and start looking towards you. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. And so we invite you that you would lead us and guide us. We surrender this service to you and our expectations of what it looks like and what it's supposed to be. That you would be just in complete control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we read from the book of Acts, and just to give you a bit of context in terms of the book of Acts, which is, I think for me, one of my favorite books of the Bible. The emphasis in the book of Acts is, is focusing on the work of God through the Holy Spirit. In the lives of people who have devoted themselves to following Jesus. And so what we see is the power of the Holy Spirit at work through individuals like you and I. I think... Often when we read Acts or we read Scripture, we think that these individuals are so vastly different than ours. But it's they're not. They're just like you and I: imperfect but forgiven. Ordinary individuals following Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the surrounding verses here. That we're reading up to is that Jesus had been crucified. He had died, buried, but resurrected in victory. That everything that he said would come about, came about that he would rise once again. And so that breathes new hope and new life into the disciples' lives. And so he spends 40 days among them as he continues to speak to them concerning the kingdom of God. And in verse 2, it says, after he had given commands, through who? Through the Holy Spirit. That the work of the Holy Spirit is evident in the life of Jesus. From his baptism, where the Spirit of God descended and rested on him. As the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. To Jesus' awareness of the Spirit being upon him to For the work of ministry to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight of the blind, and to set at liberty those who were oppressed, you continually see the Holy Spirit being at work in Jesus' life. However, Jesus must ascend into heaven. He must ascend to be with the Father. And so Jesus prepares to leave his disciples once again he gathers his disciples one last time and gives them these final words these final instructions he gives them their 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 mission and their ability and the ability to fulfill that mission for their lives and that's where our scripture focus is today is in acts chapter 4 uh, chapter 1 verses 4 through 8 and if you could put those verses up once again Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And this is where all the points come from. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be baptized. (laughs) I should have memorized the verse. (laughs) And you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I have it here. This is why I have it. When, this, when you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so this is where our essentials come forth in this, for today's message, okay? Four essentials. Actually, there's four essentials, but I'm giving you two today. I realize if I gave all four, it would be a The sermon would be too long, and I'm not going to do that for you because I want some some ministry time. So I'm going to focus on the two essentials, if you could put them up. Okay, so this is what they are. The Father's promise and the Father's authority. The other two are the Father's empowerment and the Father's commission. And I realize I'm preaching in September. As I I think I'm preaching in September, so I'll give you part two in September. (laughs) Bit back, so you might have to re-listen to to pick it up again. But it actually works out well because I think that day is going to go with Mission Sunday. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, But those are our two points today: the Father's timing and the Father's authority. So on verses 4 through 5, pop, put them back up on the screen. I'll make you guys work, AV team, today. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. What does Jesus ask them to wait for? The promise of the Father. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test how we read Scripture and how we observe and how we listen through Scripture. So what does Jesus ask them to wait for? He asked them to wait for the promise of the Father. Hence, point one, the, the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with who? The Holy Spirit. And so Jesus in these verses is saying, this is the Father's promise. That you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so this isn't the first time that Jesus is mentioning the Holy Spirit to his disciples. This isn't a new idea or a new person he is introducing into their lives. He's been talking to them ever since he ever since he was preparing them for such a while for his for his death and for his resurrection. He told them, "One day I will leave you guys." And so in John chapter 14, John chapter 14 verses 16 and 17, I'm going to read them quick here. And verse sixteen, it says, "Time's up." Just kidding. All right, sorry, I'm distracted. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is often referred to as Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him for the. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so Jesus had already been talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor. One day he will come, he will, be, he will dwell with you, he will be with you. So what do we believe about the Holy Spirit, okay? Theologically, what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? And I think this is essential for us to understand, for us to not get the Holy Spirit confused. First, who the Holy Spirit is not, okay? The Holy Spirit is not a force, an impersonal force or abstract energy that can be manipulated. So we don't refer to the Holy Spirit as it, okay? Okay? Because I wouldn't call some one of you, oh, it, right? My kid does that, you know. That's because he's not learned his, uh, his descriptions yet, you know. But when we're referring to the Holy Spirit, we don't say, oh, it is here today. Oh, we would pray that it would come today. No, we pray for the Holy Spirit because we believe that the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not this abstract force of energy that he fills the vibes of this place that we can manipulate in some Our own way that there's no way that I can manipulate the Holy Spirit to come to fill this place with his presence. There's nothing that I can do. The Holy Spirit does as he wills because he is his own person. So one thing for many of us, if maybe you've had that idea that you, you see the Holy Spirit as a force that all I, 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 or you, so we limit it. We limit the Holy Spirit as just a force, as an abstract energy of vibes. You could say But that is not who the Holy Spirit is. Who the Holy Spirit is, he is a person. He is God co-eternal with the Father and Son and that God grants him irrevocably to all who believe. Okay, so we believe the Holy Spirit is a person and that the Holy Spirit with God the Father, with God the Son are equals in what they do. But there is an admitted struggle, and I want to quote a theologian here that says, Rarely does a Christian struggle to think of God as Father. And to, evi- and to envision God as Son is not a problem for many. These personal names come easily to us because our lives and relationship are inescapably intertwined with fathers and sons here on earth. But God as the Holy Spirit is often a different matter. God the Father makes perfectly good sense to me. And God the Son, I can quite understand. But the Holy Spirit is a gray, oblong blur. <laughs> How many of you have ever struggled in some way of relating and understanding the Holy Spirit? And that maybe you confess in some way that you've made the Holy Spirit into some type of force or to some type of energy and vibe in your life. But He is not. He is a person and one of those things that we learn through our scriptures are, are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Concerning will, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when, it, the, when Paul is talking about the distribution of the gifts of the, of, of, the, of the Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit gives and wills to whom he chooses. So the Holy Spirit has a will and can choose to whom he chooses. Secondly, is concerning emotions or feelings that when we sin, the Holy Spirit is grieved in our lives. Concerning intellect, he knows our thoughts and knows our weaknesses, and therefore is the perfect helper in our lives. Concerning offense, we can sin against the Holy Spirit. These are not things that you would be able to do if the Holy Spirit was in it. I can't, now some people might believe that I could offend a rock, okay? It's an it, it's a rock, okay? I know some people would be like, yeah, well, you know, okay. But when we're in reality about it, we can't offend it. But when we talk about people, when we're talking about feelings, intellect, about having emotions, the Holy Spirit has all those things. He displays those things, and they're evident in your life, whether you've recognized it or not. And I realize that as a pastor, that sometimes part of my role is to help people understand and to see how the Holy Spirit is actually at work in your life versus you thinking that, oh, he's, I don't feel or sense the Holy Spirit in my life but he is working in your life and so the holy spirit is a person he is god co-eternal with the father and son and that god grants him irrevocably to all who believe this is the father's promise i remember my first experience of grieving the holy spirit was when i first came to christ and i had up to that point in my life i sinned willfully you and without re- cause, without remorse. But I remember when I first became a Christian and I sinned for the first time and I felt deep conviction and sadness for, in my life and mourning. And for the first time I was realizing I had to talk to one of my friends who was a Christian. I was like, oh, what's this that I, I'm, I'm feeling a bit sad because I did this? What, what's, what's happening in my life? And he, under, he goes, oh, that's the Holy Spirit at work in your life convicting you of sin that sadness that you feel that mourning that you feel is natural when we sin against God and that was for the first time in my life when I felt those deep emotions of sin in my life a feeling that had grieved the Holy Spirit and for the first time I saw sin not just as a behavioral issue that needed dealing with but a relational matter as well it was also the Holy Spirit's gentleness that brought me back from a place of failure to a place of intimacy with God. And so what can we take away from, these, from this part here, from the Father's promise in terms of application? One is our minds need to be renewed. If you're one of those this morning that you've been viewing the Holy Spirit as a force, that needs to change in your life. Stop viewing the Holy Spirit as a force, as an energy, as a vibe. He is not. He is neither of those things. He is a person. And as a person, you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is not just there as an afterthought, but he is actively working in our lives. So what we need is a renewed mind in our lives concerning how we see the Holy Spirit. Secondly, is examining our heart. uh, We've been asking the question is, you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? We often want the experience of the Holy Spirit without the transformation. Transformation. I think we're all guilty of that. We all want the experience of, we all, I I, I remember, it's so funny, whenever I tell people my my story of how I came to Christ, and especially to people that have done drugs before, they feel like, oh, I feel like that's this drug, and so forth. And And so for some people, they view experiences with God as a high. Okay, that they're this high that they're chasing, that they're running after. And that's part of our relationship. That's part of our walk with God that we get to experience, God. And and I'll touch on that a little bit more later. But sometimes what we're wanting is the spiritual experience of the Holy Spirit without the transformation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Meaning, I want to experience fully the love of God without transforming me to love my neighbor. Without... The Holy Spirit transforming me to love my brother, to love my sister, to love my father, to love my children, and so forth. I want the experience of the Holy Spirit of His grace and His mercy in my life without it transforming me to show grace and mercy in the lives of others. For the Holy Spirit works in both ways. He, he works in our lives so we may experience all those things, but then also to bring about the transformation in our lives. And so one of the things that you can do is learning to understand how the Holy Spirit is working internally in your lives, how he is working in your being, in transforming your being, in transforming who you are becoming, that we would learn to dialogue and ask questions of the Holy Spirit. Simple questions is, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. Show me, how can I know you more? Questions of examination. We just ask, does the Holy Spirit have you? Ask the Holy Spirit. Do you really have me, Holy Spirit? Are there areas in my life that I'm still holding on to and not giving to you fully for you to transform? It's a dialogue. Remember, the Holy Spirit is personal. He's a person. He has intellect. He wills. And so... When we begin to have those conversations, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. And then oftentimes what we begin to think is like, oh, really? Is that really God? Is God really calling me to love my neighbor? Yes, he's calling you to love your neighbor. Now, that's an easy one because it's evident in Scripture. uh, There's other times that as you begin to just learn and to have that conversation with the Holy Spirit, you begin to learn and to grow to listen to his internal working in your life. And Jesus said, wait for the promise. We often want to rush through or are easily distracted or discouraged in our waiting. I know I am. Man, there are so many times this week where I was trying to pray for this sermon, and and I was trying to apply Kenny's message of you know worship first. So I worship first, but I worship myself to sleep. So many, so many times, and i like, I was like, oh no, I'm trying to wait God, but I, I don't know how long I could wait. And 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 through it all, really, God just started then. It's funny that just the way God then begins to work, because through the waiting, I was like, oh, man, I got to get this sermon prep ready. And I was like, now I'm just wasting my time waiting here on you. And then that's where the gentleness of the Holy Spirit comes and just says, so waiting on me is a waste of time. I was like, like, oh, I was like, all right, I'll wait as long as, as long. You see, sometimes we want to rush through on the holy spirit but it takes time it takes waiting because what he is longing for and yearning for in our lives is relationship because he is personal he is a person and the last point is the father's authority and so we read from from verses six through seven acts chapter one verses six through seven and it says so when they had come together they asked them, lord will you at this time restore the kingdom of israel he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. Hence, point number two, the Father's authority. He says in this verse, it is not for you to know. Okay. And this is just as a pastoral, I would say, I wouldn't even call it encouragement. I would just say a pastoral warning is if, for you to be aware of anyone who would claim to know. When Jesus is coming back, that they know the times and seasons of how God is working to restore and to bring heaven on earth. Many people have been led astray by following people who have claimed to know when Jesus would return. And there's so many religions out there that are claiming the same thing. I know for a while, Jehovah's Witnesses had the date lined up. They're like, they, had, they did the math. And I think it was 1914. He didn't show up. And they're like, well, I think I did the math wrong. And there's so many times. I remember, um, I think it was five or six years. No, I was still in the U.S. So maybe eight or nine years ago, there was, there was a, a, a prophet going around saying, I've been doing studying the stars. I've been doing the math. And this is when Jesus is coming back. And so, and so, because the guy did some miracles, there was some evidence in his life, and so he started saying, "Sell everything you have, sell everything you have." And so people started selling everything they had. And Jesus didn't come on the time. There was even billboards across LA as well. He said, "This is the time that Jesus is coming back." And obviously, you you kind of just wait for that day. Obviously, it doesn't happen, and then suddenly there's people just distraught that had sold a lot of things in their lives, and suddenly this guy goes, "Well." me go back and redo my math <laughs> and so anyone that would claim to know i would say that i would question them question who they are i know there's so many people that we follow sometimes on the whether it be on the internet we find we see something and we start believing them but here no one knows when Jesus' return is and that's what jesus said and he said it is not for you to know as well and the next thing that Jesus mentions is, it is not for you to know the times and seasons. And so, at first I thought, times and seasons, that sounds redundant. And so I did the Greek, the Greek word study on that. And they're quite, actually, two very different things. Time, for that, is the word chronos. And it's more quantitative. Uh, quantitative uh, time it can be measured it can be a specific amount of time so in terms of that is is seconds minutes hours days years is very specific okay versus seasons is about kairos is qualitative it is about opportune time moments a window of time and so when jesus is talking about he's saying you don't know The specificness of the times or the seasons of when I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then he finishes with, all these things are under the Father's authority. Ultimate authority belongs to God the Father. We don't know the times and seasons, but we can have peace in knowing that they are under God's authority. And for a lot of us, that's one of our biggest struggles in our walk with God is surrendering to his authority concerning the times and seasons of our lives. And so to help us understand maybe a bit better the chronos and the kairos, the times and seasons, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about about my son, I was thinking about Isaiah. And so for him, let's just say, for example, is at. 18, he's going to move out of the house because he's going to go off to college, okay? That'd be very specific time. That's 18 years. I'm not a math genius, so I can't tell you what the seconds are and the days are in those 18 years, but that's very time-specific. Now, the, the kairos are the moments in between those 18 years. The moments that come and go. Some of them... And their chronos are time or a bit longer. Others are a bit shorter. And I've already experienced a lot of those things as a father, even though I'm still carrying him. There's going to be a season and a moment in his life where I stop carrying him. That's the season. That's the moment. That's the Kairos. That moment of me holding him in his arms is going to be completely gone forever. The time, 18 years, is what... you know, some people with the way they imagine it is like, okay, I got 18 summers with my kids before they go away. But there's so much moments and things happening in between. And the same can be viewed in our relationship with our parents. And this is where it's even more. If you really start thinking about it in terms of of Chronos and Kairos, in terms of specificness of time, in terms of of moments, is that. We don't know when our last moments can be and what they could become. You know, I think we often, there's this, there's this I, don't know, I don't know if anyone's seen it, you know, but I, I think it's a quote from some kind of show. Um, someone can tell me, but it says, and I might butcher the quote, so I don't know why I'm attempting it, but I already committed in telling the story so I have to share. It's, he says, I think he was, he was saying somewhere lo- along the lines, I wish there was a way of knowing that the good days were the good days when you've moved ahead. So essentially he's saying that sometimes it's not until we've moved forward that we realize, oh, those were the good old days. And so Jesus says, all those things are under my authority. And I realize I I missed a point here, so I'll go back to it. And so... In verse 6, what are the disciples asking? They're asking Jesus, is this a time where you will restore the kingdom of God? They're asking him, is this a time when you will restore the kingdom of God? Israel was an oppressed people living under Roman occupation, and they longed for God's restoration of israel this was ingrained within their culture their jewish culture to long for for israel's restoration to be a free people and for there to be peace and so their focus the disciples focus was on where on israel being restored and that's understanding in that way but jesus says it is not for you to know the times and the seasons for all those things are under god's authority and i say all that in terms of our focus In terms of how then do we walk away from these verses in terms of shaping our lives. And the question I ask for you is is in terms of applying is, is the kingdom of God a focus in your life? Have you been more concerned or lost in building your own kingdom and we can get our own desires and ambition get in the way of building our own kingdom that we lose sight of God's kingdom? in our lives is there a need to recenter your life towards god's kingdom that maybe like the disciples you're not worried about what is really on jesus's heart and what he's really working but you're worried about this is what i'm imagining that you're going to do for my life god and this is what i'm building and i and and i don't want to be a part of what you're doing but i want you to build what i'm building and so that's what the disciples say. They're saying, "Is this the time? Are you going to do this?" But the dis- Jesus says, "There's something better. Is there something greater that I'm working on?" And so for our lives, is sometimes we could just be so focused on ourselves about building our kingdom, about building what we want to do that we lose sight of God's kingdom in our lives. Because I think one of the mistakes we make is that we think we often have to choose. And sometimes we do have to choose. But oftentimes we haven't learned that all these things come together. I don't have to surrender being a great father or a great husband or a great brother or a great son to pursue the kingdom of God. That goes in line with it. You don't have to give up being a business person or being successful to pursue the kingdom of God, that can go alongside with it together as well. And so oftentimes we 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 feel that we have to choose, but oftentimes what God is just really saying is recenter the kingdom as a focus in your life and all these things with it as well versus keeping it compartmentalized in our lives. And so, is there a need to recenter your life towards God's kingdom? Secondly, is surrendering knowing. And I think this is one of the toughest ones as well. That we can get lost in desiring control and knowing, that being so obsessed with control and knowing in our lives, that it becomes a hindrance in our ability to move forward in our lives. It hinders our ability to live fully and to trust in God because we want so much to be in control and to know of the times and seasons of life. But when we enter into a place of trust with God, we receive his love, his grace, his strength to carry us through the unknowns in our lives. It's funny that the more you want control and know, the crazier and more anxious you probably get versus when you begin to surrender control and knowing that all of a sudden God begins to give you the grace and the mercy and the strength to go through the unknown unknown moments in your life next is times and seasons make the most of the times and seasons of your life with a kingdom perspective We don't know the times and seasons of our lives, whether it be with family, whether it be with friends, whether it's even being living in a place. A lot of these things come and go in our lives and they're very special for that season. And so we must make the most out of them with a kingdom perspective. And I think about this often when it comes to sharing the gospel with family and friends. I think about how long have I had to share the gospel with some of my family and friends? I begin to look at the chronos. as like, oh, wow, it's been like 10, 15 years. That's how long I've had to, to share the gospel with them. And it's like, oh, man, how many moments have there been along the way as well? And I've missed them. I know that I could think of moments in my life that along the, ways, along the, along the way, I've missed those moments. I remember uh, one day me and my wife, we were with some friends and we were just talking about, about God. And we were talking about experiencing God. And, I, and I, felt just, I felt just this urge of like, hey, just pray for them to experience God right here, right now. I think we are playing Mahjong as well. <laughs> we weren't gambling. Don't worry. Um, and so, and then I was like, that's a moment. That's a season. It's an open window. And I passed it. Will I get that moment and that season again? I don't know, because sometimes those moments and those seasons in our life do not come as often as we would like them to come. Now, that's not to build guilt. That's not to make you feel worried, but it's to create a sense of urgency of the kingdom of God in your life, that this life that we have, there is no other life for us that, oh, I'll share Jesus in my next life. There is none (laughs) This is the one and only life that we have. This is the one and only time and season of our life to share the gospel with people. You might be thinking with your coworkers, oh, I'll share it after Chinese New Year. I'm not saying you go out and do it every single time, but I'm just saying we often just think that there's always more times and seasons ahead. And what I'm saying is we need to surrender to those things and have the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us so when those times and seasons come around, we'd be ready to respond to those moments in our lives. Lastly, is God's authority. And I want to invite the worship team to to come up. Is God's authority is that everything is in His control. The unknown, the times and seasons, what is unknown to us is known to Him. I remember, I think, I don't know, I think there's a pastor that said this, but I, I, the one I remember quoting is one of my youth he, we're, we had asked him to lead devotions, and, and this is what he said he, he said i don 't know well I th- oh yeah, he was getting ready to graduate and go to university, and we 're just talking about the future and he said i don 't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future i 'm not saying he quoted this i 'm sure it 's out there, okay, But that quote just brought so much reassurance of i don 't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future." Are you in a power struggle with God concerning His authority over your life? We must arrive to a place of surrender. We say, God, I surrender to Your authority. God, I surrender to Your time and to Your season. And He doesn't leave us alone. He leaves us the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, that we cannot do anything and we cannot be what God has called us to be and do without the Holy Spirit in our lives. That our lives are part of a greater story where we all have our own individual stories, but they are part of a greater story of God's story of redemption, restoration, and reconciliation. And so oftentimes we can get lost in our own story, and this morning is about refocusing our own story with God's story of redemption and reconciliation. And so he invites us to partner with him, to proclaim and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And he promises us the Holy Spirit as our helper. You are not alone. He has promised to give you the Holy Spirit. Some of the things that I ask about the examining of the questions, we often think of these things that, oh, I'm going to have to transform myself in some of these things. And you got it completely wrong. He's giving you the Holy Spirit to help you. If you feel that, oh, I got to get myself where I can just surrender to God's authority on my own strength. You got it wrong. He's giving you the Holy Spirit to work in your heart, to soften your heart, to walk with you and get you to that place of surrender. And so the power we need cannot be humanly orchestrated. Our own efforts will only take us so far. And so we must arrive at the place of surrender that leads us into obedience where we say, Father, I cannot be and do what you have called me to be and do without your Holy Spirit. And the prayer is simple. Holy Spirit, I need you. I want to invite you to stand up this morning. as we go into a time of worship and you reflect on today's word. Holy Spirit, come. You do not come without aim, but you come with purpose. That you're refocusing us, that you're refocusing our lives towards your kingdom. And so this morning, our prayer is simple. Holy Spirit, Maybe there's some of you this morning that that you can't even utter those words or you're like, I don't even feel that. Then that's the conversation you have with the Holy Spirit. You begin to ask, Holy Spirit, I don't have a sense or, or a drive or ambition towards that. Holy Spirit, begin to work that in my life and you will begin to see the Holy Spirit begin to change your affections and your ambitions towards His kingdom. And so Holy Spirit, this morning we just say, We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. into a time of ministry uh, time. We're going to do communion this morning. We do communion as a way of remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. And so if you don't have a, a cup and you need a cup, just raise your hand. Someone from the welcome team will pass by. Just lift your hand high. As often as you eat and eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we do this as an act of remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross, as an act of remembrance that he will come once again. Just as we, as we read in Acts, and the disciples looked up towards heaven, and the and the angel said, "He who you see ascending." into the heavens will come back once again. Jesus is coming back once again, and we do this in remembrance, and what we have before us, and the time until he comes back is this time and season of our life. And so as we take communion, and we remember what Jesus has done for us, that we're just like the other disciples. We have our brokenness. We have our moments of being lost. We have so much still at work in our lives, but we are forgiven because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And that's what we remember. We remember his blood that was shed for our sins. We remember his body that was broken for us. We remember the whips on his back that says that through his stripes, we are healed. And so, Father, this morning as we partake in communion, we remember all this. And Holy Spirit, you work all these things in our lives. And so let us eat and take. So I did want to have a moment of opportunity for ministry time in terms of just giving space for the Holy Spirit and waiting for the Holy Spirit. And so what we what we had is this. I've been um, I'm going to ask the team to come up. They know who they are. If you guys could come up. Um, We have if you guys could get some microphones for them. And so they've been praying this this week. Um, And they've just been asking God, what are some words of healing? What are some words of knowledge that you just want to release to your people? Because this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one of the things I said that, what greatness has God asked us to step out to? We have to step out into these moments of faith. I know for me, oh man, I used to get so scared about doing altar calls. Because my first response was, what
1: if no one shows up?
0: But it wasn't about that. It was about just stepping out in faith. And so they boldly just stepped out in faith, and they're just going to release some words of knowledge, some words of, I think they have words of healing as well. And so if that is, if they, if if there's a word of healing that, that they're giving out, just come to the front. Come to the front and receive prayer. We're going to just see and experience the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? So I'm going to give this time to, to the team.
2: Um, So I felt that um, for physical healing, I received the word of um, right ankle. I feel like someone may be suffering with pain on the right ankle. Um, So if that's you, uh, I would want to release a healing, a prayer over you. Is there anyone here suffering um, with a pain in the right ankle?
0: Come come up, come up. Be bold. Be bold. This is your moment of faith.
2: This is a time where when the Lord speaks, then he will release it. So, um, yeah, I'll just pray over you. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. And we just want to ask that we release the healing over my brother's right ankle. Complete healing, God. Come and encounter him. We declare that no more pain. No more pain in Jesus' name. Complete healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Um, I got the word of
3: left arm. And the let me and stomach issues. So if you have any conditions related to that, please come up.
4: Sleeping well at night. Um, Yeah, you can come out. for reset of the circadian rhythm that they will reset according to God's your original design and creation father release your peace peace for them at night that they'll have a good rest the body will rest up god and um, the mind the emotions align with us uh, with the holy spirit the holy spirit said, "It's time to rest and it's time to get up and full of energy energize father let them feel let your peace fill and wash over them right now thank you in jesus name we pray amen um as i was praying this week at the
5: It's on God's heart to heal any one of you with a skin condition. It could be an eczema or an itch that's caused by a fungal infection or something else. You can also just raise your hands where you are if you prefer. your sisters here, Lord, Father God, and we ask for uh, healing, complete restoration of their skin, Father God, um, to the way they've designed it to be, and by the blood of Jesus, Father God, any fungal, any um, eczema has to go right now, and pray all these in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
2: Now, I just want to share, um, uh, we're going to share a few words of um prophetic words that we received for the service so for me i received a word um just um that some of us here may be feeling a lot of shame and a sense of failure towards god and um and um it's like the woman that was washing jesus feet you know the people that wash his feet are non-jew slaves in their time So they're not even part of the family and, you know, they are worse than being in a slave position. But Jesus took the time and acknowledged her. And in Mark it says, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Jesus, through this encounter, looked at the woman to her face, in her eyes, and minister to her, to call her out of this position of being a slave, to call her out of this position of being in bondage, to call her out of this position of being feeling like a failure. I feel like God is saying to someone here today that you are not a failure, and He's looking into your eyes right now and saying, No, I have forgiven you. I died on the cross so that you will not have to bow low in this position. You have been accepted into the kingdom of God. You are called a son and a daughter. You call me Abba Father. So I just want to release that word. Whoever you may, you may be, you don't have to raise up your hands. But I just want to release that word of freedom to you. Freedom in Jesus' name. There will be no hindrance between you and God's relationship. He does not see you as a failure. He sees you as his beloved son and his beloved daughter. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This verse is not about the things that was planned in our lives, as the mistakes in our lives. But he makes it good he turns it around the seasons you think you might have missed he can reclaim it and redeem it so I just want to release this word God I pray for hope to arise faith to arise over my brothers and sisters over this congregation that they will know where they stand tall before you as your son and your daughter forgiven and freed in Jesus name I got
3: something similar along the lines so I got the word rock shelter anchor so I feel God saying that he's a security uh, in you for any situations you are in now and he wants to you uh, he wants to upgrade your perception of things about especially about ourselves and also I heard the word breakthrough and I saw a picture of jumping box God might use your current situation as jumping balls, stepping stone, so you upgrade to next level. So I declare all the good things God has for you through these words and pictures. And I have the uh, verse of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 to 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness i i say to myself the lord is my portion therefore i will wait for him the lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the one who seeks him it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the lord thank you god so i declare like god god is your portion God has, his compassions never fail. So I pray the, and declare, proclaim the hope and in God will sustain you and he will be your solid foundation rock and shelter. Please feel free to come Him to receive the full abundance God has planned for you. In just name I pray, amen.
4: Um, and um, I want to release uh, this, um, if you have lost something. So if we lost something, um, um, you can pray. God, I want it back. You know, you can pray that I demand. I demand that it come back to me. Because it happened to me this week. I lost something, and um, it's it's like impossible to find it. To find it, and then somehow in the morning I hear I want it back. So I I told Father God I want it back, and then. Miraculously, software, I found it. So I want to release this to our brothers and sisters. If there's something you lost it, sometimes it, it, uh, you borrowed it from someone. You know, it's just like in the Bible, uh, Elijah just recovered the axe head. You know, and then the, the people would say, Ah, I borrowed it from someone, and it's expensive, or or you you lost something, right? You can say, Father, I want it back. I demand it back. And right now, I release. Um, that that um, that, that uh, anointing, God. That people here, God. If if they respond, you know, you can put up your hand, you know, or give a response to God. That you you want that to you want to uh, say to the thing that you lost and you want it back. So uh, you can receive it right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That um, that is. Uh, there's, uh, restoration. there's restoration, there's power, there's miracle, God. Open our eyes that we are able to see the impossible and uh, that we are able to, to to cover you as child, Lord, that we are, will we, we are, we trust you, God. We will be open, God, to you and trusting you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I was praying in the last few days, I've got an
5: image of a hot air balloon. Sky flying very high, and I got sense that um, perhaps some of you has have just uh, made a very important decision to embark on something. It could be career, relationship, whatever it may be. I just got the word that God wants you to assure you that um, He's always going to be there with you, and that um, it's like being on a hot air balloon. There's going to be exciting moments, going to be ups and downs, but. God just wants you to revel in His presence and to enjoy the, the journey and the wonderful sights and the amazing things you're going to see. And the verse is uh, Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Yeah, one of the reasons I I thought I had talked to Rachel about it, I think one of the reasons in the heart behind it was sometimes I think as a church, we could become dependent on big people. In ministry. And we forget that each individual, each person here is equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so us as a church, as a community, we have to start breaking away from that. You have all that is needed in your life. And there's people around you that are empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister to you and to bring healing. You know, Jesus said, Oh, I couldn't do nothing there because they knew who I was. They're like, oh, it's this guy, you know? And I think sometimes we could be that like, oh, Chris can't give me a a word of healing or he can't pray for me and me. It's Chris, right? No, he's Chris, but he's empowered by the Holy Spirit and each and every one of you in the same way. And so with that, I just want to bless you guys. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Shalom. From this day forward, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Be blessed and have a great Sunday.